Hey there, I'm Daphna Chazen, and this is the Down to Earth PCOS Nutrition Podcast. On the show, we talk about managing PCOS using proven strategies, ditching diets for good, and balancing hormones naturally. Let's get to it. Hey there, and welcome back to today's episode. I am so excited to be back podcasting in my studio. Okay, it's just my office. It's not really a studio. It's nothing fancy, but I'm excited to be here because I haven't been podcasting for a while, over a year, and I just felt this nudge to be back. So if you're a listener who's been listening for a while, welcome back. If you are new, brand new to this podcast, welcome. I am so grateful that you are here and we're going to have a good time. Um, So as I said, I took a little break from podcasting to focus on my business, my PCOS coaching programs, and it's been wonderful and amazing, and I'm so grateful for everyone who's, you know, been on a journey with me, come into coaching, invested in herself. Um, I think that women who come into this process knowing that it takes work, knowing that they're going to need help, guidance, accountability, support, community, all of the things that I provide inside my programs are the ones who are, you know, successful, they do well, they see results, and they truly experience a transformation. So I was focusing on all of that good stuff uh, for the past year or so. But like I said, I felt the nudge to resume podcasting and bring you new content, deeper conversations about PCOS and women's health in general, and just to keep kind of cutting through all the noise that's out there. And I say noise, like that's the nicest word I can find. I really want to say garbage because as you probably know, there is a lot of misinformation, a lot of issues with the content and information that's being shared regarding PCOS on social media, on the internet, and in general. And so one of my biggest goals and missions with this podcast is help you cut through that, help you understand what's real and what's not. And we're going to talk about things that are science-based, evidence-based, have been demonstrated in studies. These are the types of recommendations and practices and habits that you want to focus on. And so that's my goal. And beyond that, I want you to feel sane and good and positive in this whole process of healing PCOS. And so we're going to talk about how to manage PCOS. We're going to talk about stuff that you can actually do because being down to earth and being practical about it is a big part of what I do. And so no one should put their life on hold or make healthy eating their second or third job. So this is all about easy, simple, practical tips and tricks that you can implement and just feel great about and also see results. And today I wanted to start off nice and easy with a topic that I love talking about, which is snacking. So if you've ever wondered if you should be snacking between meals to keep blood sugar stable, or maybe you thought it would rev up your metabolism, we're going to talk about that. Or maybe you're someone who just happens to eat smaller kind of snack-like meals all throughout the day for whatever reason, schedule, preference, whatever it may be. And you're curious if that's the right approach for PCOS and for your hormones. Well, today's episode is definitely for you. We are going to talk about when to snack, what to snack on, and how to evaluate if what you're doing, if your snacking routine is working for you. All right. So lots of things to cover. We're going to get right into it. So what is a snack? Well, that's a silly question, right? We all know what a snack is, but generally speaking, when I'm talking about a snack, 
I'm referring to, you know, something that's smaller than a meal in terms of both the amount of food that you eat and the number of calories that you get from that food. But also typically snacks don't have enough of the nutrients that our body needs. It's not a complete meal. It's not a balanced meal. It doesn't include all of your needs for protein, fats, and carbs. And so that's generally what a snack, you know, it would be comprised of foods that are not necessarily completing an entire nutrition profile for you per se. Um, And it's also usually eaten more quickly and on the go between your other meals. Okay. So just so we're on the same page, when I say snack, this is what I'm referring to. Now, there's definitely a difference between each woman. Everyone is different, and there's not going to be a hard and fast rule about snacking. But I do want to offer today some suggestions as far as when to snack, how to snack, and who's it for based on what I've seen work best for women with PCOS. At this point in my career, I've been doing it for over 10 years. I've worked with thousands of people. So I know a thing or two about what works. I also know a thing or two about what science is showing us and what's, you know, really happening in your body in terms of meal timing. So we're going to talk about meal frequency, but also timing and how all of that plays into your hormone health. Okay. So over the years, what I found is that most women do really well with three meals and one or two snacks per day. Uh, I'm going to say that I find that balanced snacks that are timed properly are really helpful in curbing your hunger between meals and preventing overeating. Okay. So a snack is going to arrive, it's going to allow you to arrive at your meals feeling a lot more comfortable. It's going to offer you better appetite control and it's going to prevent you from eating impulsively or even binging at your next meal. Okay. It's also going to help you keep your energy stable. So a snack is helpful midday for most people to keep cravings at bay, to help you get more energy, prevent fatigue, prevent brain fog, energy crashes, and mood swings. So there are definitely lots of benefits for snacking. Again, when you do it in the right timing and when you snack on the right stuff, it can actually be very goal promoting. And when I say goal promoting, most women with PCOS need more energy. We want to feel less cravings. We want to make sure that we don't get brain fog. And so these things can be benefited through proper snacking. One of the most common reasons also that women overeat, especially at night, especially after dinner or when you get home from work is, and even binging, right? We see this with binging when, when overeating kind of spirals out of control. Um, one of the reasons this happens is going too long without eating and experiencing both extreme hunger and some blood sugar dips between meals. So a solid snack, like I said, can help you break that habit or break that kind of chain reaction that happens. So when you think about it, if you're someone who eats lunch and then you get busy or you're on the go and the whole afternoon you go without eating and five, six, seven hours pass by the time you get home and it's 7 p.m., you're ravenous and you're going to be at a much more vulnerable position in terms of overeating. And oftentimes, even if you eat a meal at that time, later on, you're going to feel more cravings. And that's oftentimes related not to what you ate or didn't eat for dinner. It's more related to the fact that you've gone a stretch of six to seven hours without providing energy for your body. And your body's going to want to compensate for that. And it's going to want to drive you to eat. And generally speaking, women don't crave kale after dinner, right? We don't crave salmon after dinner. We crave things like chips and crackers and pretzels and carbs and even um, high fat foods like ice cream and things like that. And so if you can do something earlier in the day, and that would be snacking properly 
to tame that, to curb that and make sure that it doesn't happen, you're really setting yourself up for success. You're setting yourself up for a more, you know, controlled evening as far as you're eating. And that over time can create a new habit for you where you're eating dinner, you're feeling satisfied, you know that you're in control, your hormones are balanced, and you're not experiencing all these symptoms that are really pushing you to eat. Okay, so a lot of times people think that cravings are a matter of self-discipline or lack of willpower. It's really none of of that. If you're someone who experiences a lot of cravings in the afternoon or evening after dinner, it's probably related to the fact that you're either going too long without eating, you're not balancing your meals properly, or something else is happening as far as your biology. So it really has nothing to do with your psyche, right? It's not something that, you know, no one wants to binge. No one wants to overeat and not feel great. Um, so it's not really about willpower. It's not a decision that you can make. You have to support that habit of not binging and making sure that you're not experiencing such intense cravings that you can't control them um, with the right nutrition, with the right timing and frequency of meals. And that's really where snacking plays a huge, huge role. Okay. So that being said, we talked about the fact that when you go too long without eating, you're more prone to cravings, and that's partly because of blood sugar control, right? Your blood sugar could dip. Now, one of the things that I want to talk about is blood sugar control as it relates to the frequency of meals in your day. Like, should you be eating very frequently every two hours in order to keep your blood sugar stable? And the answer to that is no, not really, right? Most women don't need to eat so frequently throughout the day in order to just keep blood sugar stable. Your body can do that pretty well for you if you've had a balanced meal and you know that meal should hold you over for about four hours, you're not gonna need to eat more in order to just keep your blood sugar up. So it's not this constant you know, um, race to keep up with your blood sugar so it, God forbid, doesn't drop. Your blood sugar wouldn't drop if what you ate was you know, balanced, if it included enough fiber and protein and fat. And so your blood sugar is really tamed by those things. Now, if you were to eat for breakfast a Pop-Tart or a muffin and a sugary coffee beverage from Starbucks, yeah, your blood sugar will probably spike and dip, right? But we want to add protein to that. We want to kind of cut back on the sugar amount, the added sugar that is, and make sure that you're setting yourself up for good blood sugar control. But eating constantly is not going to be needed or necessary when you do that. Because if you eat every two hours, and a lot of people out there are saying six to eight smaller frequent meals per day are better, and you should be eating every two hours, it's really not true, right? If you're eating the right stuff, your blood sugar will stay balanced. And in fact, studies show that when people graze all day long, when they eat every couple hours, so they eat a handful of this and a handful of that, and maybe you're eating a piece of fruit and then a granola bar, and then you're eating you know, random things very frequently throughout the whole day, Studies show these people take in more calories overall, even though each meal is smaller, it accumulates and, you know, they exceed their body's needs really with these calories. And those calories are often not nutritious. So those foods that you eat, it's really hard to create a good balance in your day as far as nutrition and food when you're eating frequently, because each one of those meals is almost like a fraction or a fragment of a meal. It's not really balanced and complete. And so studies do show that, you know, typically people will eat more carbs 
carbs, not enough protein when they're snacking and grazing a lot. And by the way, that may explain why they're taking in more calories because they're simply hungry, right? If you're eating a huge proportion of your food from carbs and not enough protein, you're going to feel more hungry because protein is important for satiety, okay? Carbs are not as filling, generally speaking. So, you end up eating more, you end up eating, you know, a poor nutritional profile, right? Not enough of the nutrients that you need. And not to mention each time you eat, if you're eating every two hours, your body releases insulin. And for someone with PCOS who already likely has insulin resistance, that's not going to be beneficial because insulin is just going to continue to accumulate in your bloodstream. And that over time, not only worsens insulin resistance, but you're going to notice worsening of your symptoms, right? So things like cravings and fatigue and weight gain, belly fat. Um, so generally speaking, when you gain weight with insulin resistance, you're going to gain it all in the midsection. And that's, of course, something that most people do not want, right? So um, at the end of the day, insulin resistance is a huge priority for most women with PCOS, not all, but most, we would want to target the source of the issues and the source of the symptoms. And that would be insulin resistance. And in my experience, and based on the studies that I've read, eating frequently is not going to help that. In fact, it may make it worse. So grazing is not really going to be controlling your appetite. It's not really going to keep your blood sugar more stable as necessarily. Um, and, you know, like I said before, when you're thinking about eating meals throughout the day, I want you to think about getting enough fiber, protein, and volume. And that's going to also help prevent hunger between meals. So, Volume will come specifically from vegetables. Those are the things that provide, you know, when you think about the volume of produce in general, but vegetables specifically, your stomach perceives satiety or your brain, I should say, perceives satiety based on the volume that's in your stomach partly. Okay. That's not the only thing, but we do want to make sure that our meals are big enough to fill us up. Um, and take up enough space in our system so that your brain can perceive that you're full. That's partly how your body works. And so if we want to feel full, if we want to pr prevent hunger between meals, reduce the need for snacking, especially in the morning, you want to eat a balanced breakfast that has a good source of fiber and protein and make sure that it holds you over for four hours. Now, if you have something like diabetes or if you have known issues with hypoglycemia, of course, the recommendations are going to be different because your situation is different. But ultimately, four hours is an appropriate good time to aim for between your meals. Now, most people, you know, eat lunch around 12 or 1 p.m. So you're not going to eat dinner around four or five. Generally speaking, that doesn't work for people. So in that time frame of the afternoon hours, a snack is definitely needed and appropriate for most women. And you'll see that as you start getting closer to the end of that three to four hour window of time after you ate a meal, you're likely going to start feeling hungry and that's totally normal. That is a sign from your body that energy is needed again. And we want to honor these cues. We want to eat a snack or a meal then, depending on the timing. And we just want to make sure that we're not ignoring that, okay? It is appropriate. It is okay. It actually is good to feel slight hunger building up. We are in a society where no one ever, you know, you're either feeling constantly hungry and dissatisfied, and you're constantly, you know, eating different things and grazing and snacking and never feeling satiated, or we're constantly full. We don't know what feeling appropriately hungry even feels like.
And that's a, another extreme. That's something that really we need to unlearn. We need to know that it is okay to start feeling hungry and planning your day and timing of meals accordingly is what you should be doing. Okay. So I don't recommend, you know, eating when you're famished. And I also don't recommend eating when you're not hungry. Okay. So everything has to kind of work the timing and that this may take time. You may need some practice. You may need some trial and error until you figure it out. But I would say that most women can eat breakfast, lunch, don't need a snack in the AM. And then in the afternoon hours, you're going to need one, sometimes two spaced, spaced out snacks to get you to dinner more comfortably. Now, I want to talk a little bit about how to put a snack together, but before that, a word on revving your metabolism, which is such a big buzzword. We hear about it all the time, and what it essentially means or what it's referring to is increasing the amount of calories your body burns at rest, and that's known as your basal metabolic rate, your BMR. So these are the amount of calories that we burn. Even if we were to lay in bed all day and do nothing, we would still burn this amount of calories. It's just to kind of keep our organs and body and um, system go- systems going, breathing, your heart, your muscles, all of that. Now, your basal metabolic rate is predetermined by genetics. And this is the bulk of the calories that you burn in a day. So of course, if you exercise, you're going to burn some extra calories. And there's also something called the thermic effect of food. I'm not going to get into that. Maybe we'll do a separate episode on metabolism specifically. But I do want you to know that the vast majority of calories that you're burning in your day are already set for you. Now, while it is true that skipping meals and fasting can slow your metabolism, can slow your BMR down if it's done for prolonged periods of time because your body starts conserving energy when it's in starvation mode. So if you're fasting for 16 hours a day or if you have a day in the week where you're not eating or you know things like that or over the course of several months and even years, you're skipping meals, skipping breakfast and having an erratic eating schedule, it is very likely that your BMR will drop. Okay, your basal metabolic rate can slow down because your body needs to save up the energy. You're not giving it predictable energy. So it doesn't really know when more food's going to come. Okay, so it's in kind of this energy conservation mode. Um, That being said, eating frequently throughout the day doesn't increase your metabolic rate. So there's no reverse effect here. That's That's another myth. So not eating, skipping, can slow down your metabolism, but eating more frequently and, and, you know, closer together throughout your day does not rev your metabolism. That is absolutely not true. Studies have actually shown that there's no difference specifically in weight loss between people who eat anywhere between one to nine meals a day. So they actually looked at it. They had several groups. Some of them were eating one or two meals per day and all the way to eight or nine meals per day. And as long as they consume the same amount of food, which they did, that was the control factor of the, of the study, there was absolutely no difference. Their metabolism wasn't higher. They didn't lose more weight. None of those parameters were significantly different. And again, that's because, like I said, the amount of calories that your body burns at rest, your BMR, is mostly genetically determined there is actually very little we can do to change it. Now, of course, we can add exercise. We can make sure that we're eating more protein because, you know, if you're exercising, getting enough protein, that's going to help build your lean muscle mass. And a lean muscle mass is more metabolically active. So your muscles can actually burn you more calories at rest compared to fat tissue. So that's one thing, you know, again, we may do kind of a separate episode on this, but 
what we can do to positively impact metabolism and kind of optimize what we got through genetics is avoid skipping meals, not exceed our calorie needs, and get the right combination of nutrients at meals and snacks. And one important thing to consider here is that dialing in the timing of the meals, meaning when you eat, not just what you eat, but when you eat, has been shown to make a big difference, has a huge impact on metabolic health. So just to give you an idea of what I'm talking about, when we look at people, again, who ate the same amount of food, the same type of food, but they ate it it at different times of day. Some people, you know, ate the food earlier, had a bigger breakfast, bigger lunch, and smaller dinner versus the opposite, which is what most people in society these days are eating, which is a very large dinner, but very little food throughout the day, the people who had larger meals earlier in the day did better metabolically. Their insulin resistance was lower, their cholesterol was lower, they had an easier time managing their weight. And specifically, there was a study done with women with PCOS that showed that women with PCOS who eat the majority of their food and calories earlier in the day and kind of taper off later those women ovulate more regularly. And again, that's another topic that we can talk about. I don't want to get too into it, but timing of meals does matter when it comes to your metabolism. And that's mostly because our hormones and our circadian rhythms, which are sleep and awake cycles, are connected. And so if you eat more when it's light outside, when we're awake and alert, your body is able to break that down better because your hormones are primed and ready to take care of that food. Whereas in the evening, when it gets dark outside, your circadian rhythm is kind of going into sleep mode. We don't want to eat a large meal at that time. Your body doesn't know what to do with that. It's very hard to digest and it's a burden on the system. So we'll talk about that another time, but I just wanted to mention it there. All right. So Speaking of metabolism, again, so let's kind of wrap up this section about revving your metabolism. Not exactly how it works. Snacking and grazing frequently is not going to help with that. I would focus more on getting, you know, enough protein, making sure the timing of your meals is correct and that you are not going too long without eating. That's going to help your body get the energy that it needs from the food, burn it off inside your cells, as opposed to kind of storing it for, you know, energy as, as fat. So the the best type of storage uh, for the body in terms of energy is fat. So, you know, when you take in too much energy from your food, your body will store the excess amount as fat. And so if you're continuously snacking and grazing and exceeding your needs, you're going to see more fat storage, right? Especially if you have insulin resistance, like we say, that's going to be, like we said before, that's going to be stored in your midsection. And so we want to make sure that we're not exceeding our needs too, too much. We eat regular meals um, and not necessarily too, too frequently, because again, that's generally not going to have a positive impact on your metabolism. Okay. Now let's talk about how to build a balanced snack, right? What is really the components, the ingredients, the things that you need in order to make sure that the snack is working for you and it's doing what you want it to do, which is curb your hunger and balance your blood sugar, keep everything stable. So I have two combination options for you as far as snacks that I want you to keep in mind. The first one is 
protein and produce. The second one is fat and fiber. So let's talk about protein and produce first. What we want is a lean protein. Okay. So something that's going to provide at least 10 grams of protein if possible. And that could be two hard rolled eggs. That could be a Greek yogurt or cottage cheese. And that could even be a few slices of deli meat that's preservative free. There are a lot of brands out there that are natural, maybe just like roasted turkey or roasted chicken, something like that. This is going to increase the feeling of fullness. It takes your body longer to break down protein. And so the longer it takes to break down, the more full you feel for hours and hours on end. Now we want to pair that with produce. So protein and produce. This could be fruit or vegetables. So any type of fruit or vegetable, ideally, you know, things that are non-starchy. Um, so you name it, carrots, peppers, celery, whatever you like, it really doesn't matter. This is not only going to add fiber, it's also going to add volume. Okay. So this is a great place to eat fruit as well. So that falls under produce and you know, anything goes here, including bananas. I'm a big fan of bananas. I mean, I don't know you know, why they have such a bad rep, but they do. And we want to break through that myth. You can absolutely eat bananas, but of course, berries, apples, pears, citrus, whatever you like, it really doesn't matter. We're going to get volume. Remember volume helps you feel full. We're going to get fiber and then we have the protein. So that could be a great combination. The other combination is fat and fiber. Okay. So fat also, you know, not only has a rich filling mouthfeel, it also helps keep you full. And, you know, we want to make sure that we're focusing mostly on plant-based fats. So things like maybe a cup of guacamole, like a single serve cup of guacamole or a handful of nuts, or you can use flax seeds or chia seeds. You can use olives, right? So things like that are wonderful options as far as healthy fats. We do want to portion them properly because they tend to be very calorie dense, right? So we don't want to be taking in five or 600 calories worth of nuts at our snack, okay? That's going to defeat the purpose for most women, unless you have absolutely no concern about weight, okay? So um, a healthy fat, portioned properly, and then some type of fiber-filled carb, okay? So that could be, you know, high fiber, a slice of bread or high fiber crackers, or it could be fruit again, right? That falls under the carbohydrate category as well. So something like berries, super high in fiber, we can add that here and we get the big volume too, like a cup or two of berries is a really great voluminous snack. So nuts and berries, or you can do guacamole with some high fiber crackers, something like that can help stabilize your blood sugar instead of spiking it and keep you full and satisfied. Not to mention, you know, things like nut butters, almond butter, peanut butter, as long as there are no sugar added are delicious and most people like them. And it's an exciting snack. You also want to enjoy your meals. You want to enjoy your snacks. You want to eat the foods that you love. Okay. So we're going to eat things like bananas and nut butters and avocado and whatever else that you enjoy eating is what you should choose. And, you know, part of feeling satisfied with your meals and snacks is eating foods that you actually enjoy and you get excited about and you're not dreading, right? So never eat something that you're not actually enjoying. That's definitely against my philosophy. All right. So let's recap 
a little bit, okay? I want to give you a few principles regarding snacking that we talked about, and then you're going to be off to the races, creating better snacks and using them properly. So the first thing is that a snack is a bridge between meals, okay? So it's meant to bridge you between lunch and dinner or breakfast and, and lunch, wherever you place it, it's okay as long as it works for you and it makes sense, but it's going to help you manage fullness between meals. It's not meant to replace a meal, but just hold you over, keep you neutral, Okay, you don't want to be overly full, but also, of course, not hungry. So kind of keep you neutral and hold you over until you have your next meal. Okay, it's going to going to also help you prevent cravings and keep energy levels high. And it's a great, great opportunity to add produce. Okay, a snack is in general a great opportunity to add foods that you may not have a chance to incorporate in your meals. So whether that's fruit or flax seeds or maybe that's a Greek yogurt, maybe it doesn't quite fit with your meals that you're used to having, a snack is a great opportunity to fill in those gaps. One or two snacks per day work best for most women, okay? Again, managing your appetite. Um, when you go more than four hours between a meal, a snack should probably go there. Make sure it has at least 10 grams of protein if you're going with the protein and produce combination. And generally speaking, I'm going to name a calorie level for snacks just to give you a ballpark number. I usually like to keep them between 150 to 250 calories. Okay. That generally works for most women. Again, because if you're going to start taking um, upwards of four, five, 600 calories at your snack, it's really a meal. And if you're like most women with PCOS, weight management is something that you're thinking about. And we want to make sure that we're not exceeding our needs by hundreds of calories a day, because that's not going to be conducive to managing weight. Most good snacks are pre-portioned and pre-planned. Okay. So like I said, you want to learn your eating habits. You want to pay attention to when you're feeling hungrier throughout the day. And those are the times that you want to place a snack. If you can find things that are easy, grab and go and pre-portioned like hard-boiled eggs, hard-boiled egg is already pre-portioned for you by nature. A piece of fruit, already pre-portioned for you by nature. A cup of yogurt, same thing. Or you may want to go ahead and buy things like, you know, one and a half ounce or the small single serve packs of nuts, just so that it cuts back on your kind of effort and time putting it together. It's grab and go. It's easy and it's already in the right amounts for you. Okay. And then plan to have fun snacks you know, incorporate them into your week. Maybe you like um, dark chocolate. Maybe like you enjoy a certain type of, I don't know, fruit salad or even ice cream, okay? If you pair it properly, it could fit. Again, it should be in the right portions. Make sure that it's got a little bit of protein. A lot of ice creams are Greek yogurt based now, and those are great options. Like why not incorporate that? Get out of the box. It could be something creative like that. I just had a frozen kind bar yesterday. I think it had like 12 grams of protein, 180 calories. I can add a little bit of fruit on the side and that's my protein and produce. Like what's wrong with that? And I thoroughly enjoyed it. So venture out of your regular grocery cart in the, in a store, look for things, make sure you're going to enjoy them, make sure they're exciting and fun. And that's going to help you stay more consistent and motivated throughout this whole journey. I hope you enjoyed today's episode. I had fun talking about snacking. I'd love to hear what questions or thoughts you have about this topic. You can find me over on Instagram at 
pcos.nutritionist.daphna. I'll put this in the show notes as well. And if you're someone who needs more help with snacking, you want a more formalized plan, something that's dietitian approved and has already been vetted by me and includes plenty of fun meals and snacks, I want you to go ahead and check out my meal bundle. I have a PCOS meal bundle where you get four meal plans that are specifically tailored to address the root cause of your PCOS. We have an insulin resistance meal plan, an androgen reduction meal plan, an inflammation reduction meal plan, as well as a stress and anxiety reduction meal plan. So all of these are week-long meal plans with meals, snacks, and I also give you a prep guide so that you can implement the meal plan very easily. I tell you what to buy, including my favorite brands. I tell you when to defrost things, what to prepare on which day, what to do with the leftovers. It's a complete guide. It's amazing. I also have two fun bonuses. I'm not going to tell you what they are because I want you to go check them out yourself. I'm going to put the link in the show notes, but you can go to daphnachazen.com forward slash meal prep. That's daphnachazen.com forward slash meal prep. You're going to see all the details there. It's a great resource. You're going to love it. It's going to simplify your life. And you already know that these meals are perfect for PCOS, hormone balancing, and super delicious. All right. And if you enjoyed today's episode, please leave a review. You can take 30, 40 seconds to do so. I will be so appreciative. And also it's going to help me get the podcast out to more women with PCOS who may need help and need guidance and support on their journey just like you. I'll see you here again next time. Bye for now.